0: This is Ed Stetser Live, and this and every Saturday at this time, we bring you conversations about, I don't know, it could be about culture, or about church, or about your Christian spiritual growth, and more. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to continue these conversations today. I've got a guest I'm introduced in just a moment. What I want to encourage you, though, to, uh, as always, subscribe to this as a podcast as well. Go to EdStetzerLive.com. You can follow along with us as well. This is actually a pre-recorded episode, so we'll be taking your calls. But we do want you to engage in listening and hopefully learning through our guests today. Our guest is Mark Ryan. He's the senior pastor of Kensington Temple. It's a uh, church here in the Notting Hill area of London. I said here because we're actually recording right now live at his church. I will have, uh, by the time you listen to this, I will have preached at Kensington Temple. It's a wonderful church, well-known in the community it's actually part of the elam pentecostal church denomination the largest church in the denomination and yes notting hill is famous i guess there was a movie sort of a famous area of london tourists flock here by the thousands and more so prior to serving at kensington temple mark actually served as a pastor of a multi-ethnic church in birmingham see i i gotta say that like a brit birmingham city church for 12 years, and he's actually got a resource that he recently shared with me called Living Wind, Living Word. We'll get to that, too, in just a moment. But but Mark, um, you know, we're not used to hearing these uh, these British accents on American radio programs, but you actually have American Connection as well. Do We have a radio station there at Chattanooga. It plays over in Cleveland, Tennessee. So tell us your American Connection as well. My unusual
1: American Connection is that I was a pastor in... Uh, a ministry called Ministry to the Military which was to the American Air Force and from that ministry I actually studied in Cleveland, Tennessee, at the Pentecostal uh, Theological Seminary there, and I taught at what's now Lee University or Lee, Lee College.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, Lee. We love Lee University. You know, the Moody Radio is owned and is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, so we're pro all these wonderful Christian schools that are there. Oh, Lee amazing. has just become this powerhouse Christian university as well. Yeah, when I was there, I taught Western Civilization.
1: Really? So, uh, yeah, how it how we came about to be who we are. That's fascinating. So, and then, it's amazing.
0: and then we did this ministry of the military it was at an air force base here in the UK yeah yeah is an air force base called Upper Hayford. now it's uh, it's not it's not there
1: anymore but it was uh, f111s i believe and uh, you know really fast planes that could deliver a, a uh, significant ordnance yeah, yeah. A significant
0: yeah. ordnance so fascinating. so what I, w- I want to start our conversation today Because we're here together. We're actually in your office here at Kensington Temple. And we're in this uh, Notting Hill area, like I said, famous globally, tourists from around the world. I think if you look at, you know, if you go to TripAdvisor, you know, what are the 10 best things to do in London? This market that's just outside your church. And you're in the middle of it all. You're in the middle of one of the most significant influential cities in the whole world. Yet at the same time, you know, the UK is not the Christian nation that people might have thought of as it was decades ago, certainly centuries ago, uh, increasingly secular. Um, we now have uh, the percentage of people called themselves Christians declining every year. And yet for many many Americans who, you know, we have radio stations all over. we got, you know, K-Wave in Southern California. Yeah. We've got Cleveland, Ohio. We've got uh, Portland, uh, all these different radio stations. So uh, it, it's different, different places. How would you see uh, the ministry here, For Christians to engage with a much more secular environment than most places in the US? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, what we have to
1: guard against is our sense that, oh, our nation is going uh, completely secular or the Muslims are taking over and all the rest of it. The truth is that although we are battling with a great secular wave, Our Talking Jesus research shows us that there are lots more people interested in God and spirituality than we might have thought. Now I'm not just putting a rosy picture on it, but actually in this secular environment, secularism doesn't deliver. Mm. It, It promises things that it doesn't deliver and then people start looking. And so in one sense, it's not that we're happy with the situation. But in the other sense, we are really delighted that when the message is clear and strong and the community is loving, we are finding that we are not only attracting, but also reaching uh, people who probably would never think about coming to church. I think that's the thing about Britain. People don't naturally make the church or Jesus choice. They have to be invited Mm -hmm. or attracted Mm -hmm. to that choice whereas perhaps in the united states that that is something that's still on the agenda um in some ways it's not on our agenda or the normal person's agenda but when it confronts them it really confronts them and so that's that's not a it's missiologically that's not a bad situation to be in although please don't let me give you the impression that it's all great over here yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah. i
0: think they the uh you know you're in cleveland tennessee you know i served in nashville tennessee yeah. for a season and uh very clearly there is a a sense that you know that's bible belt you know that yeah. ten, and yeah. nashville's more secular than it was you know 10 years ago 20 years ago but in many places where our listeners are Uh, when somebody moves to town, there is, you know, they'll, they'll get asked, what do you go to church? Or would you like to come to our church? There's, and it's not bothersome or offensive. And I don't know that it's bothersome or offensive here, but it's just much less common. Oh,
1: that wouldn't be a question.
0: Yeah. So, so So, so that would not be a question.
1: The question would be, where do you, where, what's the best school? Where's the best gym? Uh, that you know the the church question wouldn't be something that would not be asked. on the agenda. Not, not on no, the agenda. Not okay. really. Yeah.
0: And so so here you are, so Kensington Temple. I mean, I know you I know you love your church. So let's describe yeah. your church just a little bit. Now, by the time they'll hear this, I I will have a privilege preacher again. You're preaching here every week. It is uh, it's not a bunch of. Uh, of, you know, Brits of a hundred years ago. Tell us about the church. No, no, the church has evolved.
1: London itself, obviously, is a melting pot and we have the nations of the world coming to our city. And therefore, our church reflects that. We have 120 different ethnicities, different different nationalities. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have several different Uh, strata of society and so uh, it's an amazing church that Kathy and I, Kathy's my wife, uh, that we have fallen in love with, we have been sucked into this great thing that's going on here. It's historically, obviously it's a Pentecostal church and historically it's quite revivalistic in Mm -hmm. its approach. And I don't know about the theology of this, but it almost feels like it's a thin space between heaven and earth mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, that when the people pray, it just begins to catch fire and it begins to feel like something's going on here. Mm. It's quite unusual that tourists just get attracted to the building and just come and, mm. and sometimes, you know, they just give their lives to the Lord and they're on holiday. so. Mm. So it's a strange mix of this quite move of God, but also in this very secular environment, but very, very multicultural. You know, I, I think
0: the assumption would be that something revivalistic and something even Pentecostal, that, that would be almost passe in yeah. a secular environment. But it's, you know, because you kind of think of, does, it, does that revivalistic approach, you know, people get excited, people responding... Isn't that something that requires a Christian base from which to get people enthused? But here, that's not not the case. People are being drawn to that. It's
1: very interesting. I think what we do is we take on the big ideas of culture and secularism. And therefore, when we preach what the Bible says about those big ideas, then people get drawn in. So it's not totally random. But we do intentionally say, hey, what's going on right now? For instance, we're talking a lot at the moment about who's the real king, because our coronation of our new king is in a few weeks' time. And as you know, uh, Prince Charles as he was, now King Charles, wants to make the coronation a little bit more multi-faith, mm-hmm. but actually he's not been allowed to do that. And that's created a, a great debate in the in the country, mm-hmm. and then we can address that and talk about well actually we want to talk about the kingdom culture of the church and of the bible and so it's it's
0: a great time to be able to reach out to people yeah, not, not to that. put you on the record on you know on a couple hundred radio stations or outlets in the US but we we don't we're not as enthusiastic about King Charles as we were about Queen Elizabeth. I just want to say that. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's Cause, okay. Okay, because I mean, yeah. her, she was just—I mean, everyone just—you know—she got so widely affirmed. But also, too, you know, I mean, her faith. Like when she put out her, was it the Easter, yeah. Easter letters were Chris, Christmas, Christmas, not Christmas. Yeah, Easter. Christmas. Thing. I mean, they were
1: just so distinct. Well, we Christian. describe her as one of my colleagues described her as our best tele-evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's because awesome. She gave yeah, she... out the the television address every year and would say about her faith, you know. Yeah,
0: and so when you see. The transition to King Charles, like I said, more of wanting to be more, more multi faith, but also too, and, and and again, early on he said he wanted to be the defender of faiths, and then yeah. sort of walked that back a little bit because yeah. part of what he declared is the defender of the faith, yeah, uh, not defender of faith or faiths, but I, and I recognize that you know that's a little tricky because that's still in it hasn't happened yet, uh, but it is a strange connection between the church and state here in a way that we, that's very foreign to us, yeah, um, but it also speaks to the fact. That King Charles, um, unlike Queen Elizabeth, I mean, is really seeking to be representative of somebody who's not just the Anglican Church, not just the Christian faith, and it kind of speaks to where England and the UK is today. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: However, his moving away has created a debate. Yeah, has created a hunger. And has also created a thoughtful way of saying, well, actually, what is spirituality? And so we're having to speak and can speak in that space. So again, we're trying to use it to our advantage, but there's no question that uh, King Charles does have a different approach. And of course, we now have a uh, Hindu prime minister. Right. We also have the leader of the Scottish
0: National Party, who is a Muslim. right, And um, who the other candidate was an evangelical Christian. Absolutely. And that became, she was part of the Scottish uh, and, uh, y- National Church, well, not the, know, the Presbyterians. Yeah. 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 But she was Scottish Presbyterian in the evangelical group, and that became very controversial. Yeah, it did. It created yeah. a great debate. But you see all
1: these things we we're turning to our advantage and again i'm not saying uh putting a rosy
0: right i don't hear uh, you know
1: but i'm saying that actually people are beginning to think well is king charles right yeah do i really want that right and and actually some of the other faiths are saying you know what we we would rather just be distinct anyway Mm. so this bland approach to multiculturalism and multi faith is actually not working, mm-hmm. and so clarity and compassion, clarity, yeah. and, compassion clarity and, and compassion, and thoughtful uh, approach to the big ideas that society is coming out with is working
0: for us. Yeah, do you see? Uh, the future as hopeful for the advance of the church, even as secularism continues to grow and self-identified Christianity declines, or is it, is it a mix or or what? We got about thirty seconds. Tell us about that. I am hopeful, but realistic. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Mark Ryan. We're here at Kensington Temple in the Notting Hill neighborhood. I say neighborhood. It's still part of the big London. Yeah. And we're going to continue our conversation with him about engaging our neighbors and really about growing our own lives spiritually in just a moment. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at MoodyPublishers.com. you're back at that's alive you know it's interesting um mark that little promo that we we recorded that a while ago the little mark sayers book and but it's called you know he's got this book reappearing church disappearing church and he talks about how the rise of secularism pro- provides an opportunity for the Absolutely. advance of the gospel now you're i think you're rightly cautious i think you know living in the u.s as i do you know i, I spent i spent the uh autumn as you call it living in the uk I've been in australia for about a month um the rise of secularism isn't isn't good news we don't want to frame it as good news but there are parts of it that you know when you were in cleveland tennessee when i was in nashville tennessee or i lived outside of atlanta i mean there was a sense that the the prevailing idea that sort of everybody's a christian and, and the bible Belt culture that causes a lot of people to misunderstand what the gospel is yeah so there are i guess we would say silver linings to sometimes those those dark clouds as well, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. so absolutely. It's, it's a mix, though. It's yeah. a mix, and we it's don't we famous. don't want to have this Pollyannish view. Oh, yeah. great! Secularism is on the rise because with secularism comes not always, but often a more progressive view, where we actually saw in the Scottish elections the Evangelical Christian very controversial because she her church held uh, biblical views of marriage. Could she possibly be elected? Yeah. As well. And by the way, it's very strange to Americans that you have all these different, like, nations in one country called the UK, all these different countries in, this, in the UK. Well, it's the so United Kingdom. It, it is maybe. United. Four countries, maybe, mm-hmm. exactly. So yeah. we'll put four different countries. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned the different religions of the, you know, Scottish leader and the UK yeah. leader, and the, the mayor of London is yeah. Muslim as well. And yeah. you mentioned Islam early on. You know what? What is it? What is it like? Because you've got some parts of London that are whole neighborhoods that are predominantly yeah. uh, Muslim by background. Uh, Muslim, not not everyone there still practices, but talk to us a little bit about that. Because that's a shift that Americans hear about that in Europe, that uh, through migration, that Islam has become a significant force here. What does that look like? Yeah, indeed. In fact, um,
1: even right now, as we uh, sit here, it's uh, Eid. And, um, you know, you'll see in shopping centers, there'll be a prayer room set up for Eid, Mubarak, you know, uh, so that Muslims can, if they're out shopping, can do their five times a day prayer. And sometimes I reflected today to my wife, I I wonder at Easter time for Christians whether we'd have a prayer room set up for us, you know. so. There is an unfairness to it because here's the thing about Islam, and we don't want to speak fear into this. Mm -hmm. I I do want to add a balance in a moment, but here's the thing. The the Islamic faith is dominating. their, Their ideology is to dominate, to take over, to conquer uh, and i know that sounds a little bit uh, harsh but that is an underlying ideology behind uh, the islamic faith now however what what happens is that in trying to do that they come across british culture that waters that down but also around christians when they're loved and spoken to properly and God begins to move on them. In my church, one of the worship leaders is somebody who grew up as a Muslim, Mm -hmm. and you would think that she would be a traditional African, you know, Pentecostal Christian, but she wasn't. Mm -hmm. She grew up as a Muslim, she didn't know anything about faith, and Jesus walked over to her in uh, dreams and also through the kindness of Christians. And so, actually, We don't need to speak fear, we need to speak the fact that even though there's a domination behind it, God overcomes that, and through kindness and miracles, many, many Islamic people are coming to faith. In fact, probably worldwide, it's the group that's mostly coming to faith,
0: Uh, I don't know whether that's totally factual, but it is. Well, I do, I do think there's actually several books and researchers have talked yeah. about a, a book called yeah. A Fresh Wind in the House of Islam and things of that exactly. sort of, Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, in London, though, we would see it that actually
1: we want to not start culture wars with the Islamic people. Mm-hmm. What we try and do is rather say, this is Britain. Mm-hmm. This is how we go about things. And we accommodate some things for the Muslims. That's the political view. Mm-hmm. However, faith-wise, we don't get intimidated. We simply begin to show compassion, good thought, and actually many of our Muslim friends would say, you know what, you're treating me nicely, you're treating me good, and uh, I actually don't get that sometimes in my own community. And so, again, I don't want to come across as... uh, Everything's just rosy, it is, there is parts of London where I'm not welcome and there will be uh, not so much ghettos but um, there will be um, areas of London that are heavily Muslim mm-hmm. and you would find that quite oppressive, mm-hmm. however there are
0: good signs. So you mentioned that the um this this woman who's your worship leader party worship team yeah was what we would call a muslim background believer so it was a believer in Christ but she had a muslim background grew up uh, in that uh, she she's had a conversion from being a muslim right right yeah so uh, and you mentioned over 120 uh eight nations or ethnicities yeah what's it like to lead in a church because we're not i mean that's not unheard of but it is uncommon so moody church i think we had 80 when i was the interim yeah. uh, teaching pastor, we had 80 nations but 120 nations i mean so what What are some of the challenges to being a multi-ethnic church like that well we don't talk about multi per se
1: we talk about kingdom culture the thing that binds us all together uh biblically so we'll talk about worshiping culture prayer culture but can i put a little spin on the Please. thing that we said a few minutes ago, where Islam might be a dominating culture. If I can use a biblical word, we try and use, let's become a dominion culture. And by that, I mean, not that we take over, but that our influence is felt and seen. So we encourage people to, to be out there bearing fruit in the world. So leading a multicultural church is not just... Hey let's give a flavor to every nation and give everybody a little bit of a chance it's more let's talk about what the bible says to all of us no matter what culture we are and then go go from there and uh, yeah, but a
0: dominion help me understand i think of the word dominion as something that's ruled so yeah, so yeah. so how you're extending the rule and reign of christ in all spheres exactly. and sectors of society okay yeah, exactly
1: okay. Uh, not in a uh, enforcing a christian mode you right. know uh, uh in the workplace but nevertheless having an idea that we are there to bring the rule and reign of god mm-hmm. wherever we are mm-hmm. so if you're a doctor working in a hospital you would uh do that in a in a way that says i'm reflecting christ okay. makes
0: sense um, when you say I, i've been reading tom holland's book dominion so it made me Think about that as well. Absolutely. The influence of in Christianity. fact, I'm reading that book, it's probably you, going to take really? me two years. Oh, yes, it's, it's a beast, it's it is a beast. Um, but I'm, and he's you know, worth reading too. He doesn't, absolutely. he's not writing from an evangelical Christian perspective no. as we would, no. but it's it talks about the uh, the the making of the western mind and the influence of Christianity absolutely. It fascinates me that, and so we are in a moment at the
1: moment where we need to be strong in faith mm-hmm. and not. Ignoring the problems, mm-hmm. but we don't need to make the problems fuel our fear. And that's why I'd probably say to your listeners that although there's, there is an attack upon Christian values, there's no question about that. And secularism and other faiths do not actually deliver what they promise. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing to say is that Jesus actually brings what he promises mm-hmm. and he can deliver. So uh, even through the difficulties we, we, we do get to the place where where God is coming through for right. us. And I would
0: encourage people to to believe that and, and hold on to that. Even in difficult neighborhoods. Yeah. So so talking some more about the Yeah, you know, so Notting Hill. So what is this the big uh we like a garage. It's like a giant, giant garage sale, giant flea market. But that oh, would probably Portobello. Be right Portobello uh, market Portobello Market. Yeah, which is just like there's like thousands of people here on a you side. You know,
1: Ed, I just think that you have called one of the most cultural iconic markets. Market, <laughs> You've called it a flea say a, a flea market. This is Americans. It's you know. a a great long standing British tradition of yes. trade
0: in the free market enterprise that we have. <laughs> I will never. I, my attempt at humor did not go. You know, but here's a great thing. The, the show only airs in the US. So they will. Yeah. But the Portobello market goes on for blocks and it blocks does. and It blocks. does. And it's, it's part of a tradition in this
1: area. This area is quite well to do at the moment, although. North Kensington would would be significantly more challenging, and we we have a lot of work to do there. Yeah. I don't know whether you remember a couple of years ago there was a big fire called the Grenfell mm-hmm. uh, Tower fire, a, a real tragedy. It's a scar on our on our community. But in this community, traditionally in London, it was a place of free trade oh, of people who could start right. businesses, right. and the market came out of this sense oh, wow. of. We are working class
0: people blue-collar workers who now are breaking out and beginning to uh, better ourselves Well there's a very nice free trade center that I have enjoyed I would never again refer to anything related to fleas it's quite <laughs> it's quite amazing um, but it's um just going around the hustle and bustle that's there you see people from different cultures yeah. now you're a you're a British gentleman you're you're yeah. a British gentleman. <laughs> But, well, but it, some would say. <laughs> well, I, I would say that. Um, so, so, but when you come into this area, it's in and of itself, a lot of multi-ethnic, yeah. uh, multicultural diversity, your church as well, how would you encourage Christians in churches who maybe are now... Because we're increasingly seeing, yeah. particularly as people, you know, with migration, with yeah. and, and even too in Christian churches where people come from, from maybe Central and South America who come from a Christian experience, or maybe somebody comes from an Indian believer and they come to the church. How can churches and Christians be welcoming to one another when they have different, maybe cultures, different ways of greeting and communicating? And or how, how do you help your church be a community when they come from all these different ethnic communities? That's a great question. And actually...
1: Authenticity is the key, and also seeing, seeing people as the, the child of God who God loves. Now, uh, to say authenticity is the key, I mean this. I don't try and be African. I just try and be myself authentically and speak biblical truth, but also reach out in a loving way to somebody who's from a different background. So, authenticity is important. Uh, people don't like it when you fake it. You know, oh, we just think you're, you know, wonderful. But what people do like is that you're authentic, biblical, but then you're actually interested in where they're
0: coming from. Fascinating. We're going to continue our conversation with Mark Ryan. We're here at Kensington Temple in the Notting Hill neighborhood of London. We're pre-recorded today, but stay with us. We're going to talk about how to grow your faith and how to stay steady on your spiritual walk. we continue our conversation with Mark Ryan in just a moment. Hey, welcome back. This is Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm actually... In London, recording this program today. It is a pre-recorded program, so we can't take your calls, but we'll be back to doing that next week. We're having a great conversation with Mark Ryan. Mark is the pastor at Kensington Temple here. It's an Elam church in the Notting Hill neighborhood of London. And a really wonderful multi-ethnic, multicultural, multinational church, 120 Uh, nationalities, ethnicities here represented at the church. We're we're actually recording this at the church here. And uh, looking forward to, uh, I'll be preaching tomorrow, which I've already done by the time people listen to this recording as well. So, Mark, you have a real passion. Matter of fact, the last time I was here, you were talking about the you use the word KT for Kensington Temple, KT. You're talking about the KT pathway for spiritual yeah, growth. Indeed. And uh, and you recently sent me to where we're staying in California, you sent me the copy of Living Word, Living Wind, which is a resource you're providing to people to kind of help grow on a more regular basis. It appears that uh, the Christians have a responsibility to take up their own spiritual growth, yeah. to to surrender to Christ, to, uh, to, to grow in their spiritual life, to... To see that Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. And they participate in that spiritual growth in their own lives. Um, It doesn't happen just by osmosis. There's an intentionality that's there. So you wrote Living Word, Living Wind to help people with that. Talk to us a little bit about why it matters that Christians who are listening would take up the responsibility to grow spiritually and what that looks like. Yeah, it's really important Uh, the reason
1: why we wrote living word, living wind is this balance between word and spirit. Um, The the word part is all about Psalm 119, which as you know, Ed was written as uh, an acrostic and that every stanza starts with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet and then goes on to the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And what, the author was trying to get across was in the chaos of the world the word is ordered strong love that and uh, a, available to be believed yep. and was immovable and, and i think sometimes we can dig into the word and it just becomes this kind of sense of a textbook it's never meant to be a textbook it's meant to be a journey and a and a, a thing that shapes our lives but then the word the word needs to be breathed on by the spirit, and our lives do so this is the important thing is that we keep those two things in balance and discipleship really is a relationship mm. not just with Jesus but through his word and through his spirit right you know or is with Jesus through his word through his spirit and so it's really important that Christians then don't just always have second hand knowledge. And that was my fear actually writing the book is that people just read it as a book. It's actually a daily devotional that's supposed to be a prayer journey of learning about Jesus through the word, but also
0: hearing him through the spirit. So word and spirit is language that you use. And there are uh, sometimes people we think of as uh, word people you know, and that's certainly probably more my tradition. Word people, we think of spirit people, you know, this is a Pentecostal church. Absolutely. But we wanna walk as people who are word and spirit people. What does that look like? What it looks like
1: is that it becomes someone with a foundation. It's roots and wings, someone with a foundation, but also they're learning to fly. It's somebody who can, and this is our discipleship pathway actually, is being rooted, growing, and fruitful Kensington temple that's our mantra here that you got to be rooted in Christ rooted in his word rooted in God's love rooted in the church growing in gifts growing in wholeness and health and then fruitful in your purpose and the ultimate goal really is fruitfulness in the kingdom uh, to as I was saying earlier that we begin to bring God's rule and reign wherever we are you know, one of the things I've noticed, Ed, is that often discipleship schemes in churches are, uh, it's a very good thing to do, but they inculcate them into participating into the church. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Right. That's That's a great thing. But discipleship also is this, I need to serve Jesus wherever I am and become like him wherever I am. So as well as bringing you into the church and getting involved in those systems which is a great thing we don't need to ditch that but it's also about i am becoming like you and i'm also bringing you whoever i am wherever i am and really that's what discipleship is and you cannot do that only through a church program you have to do that by taking your own responsibility yeah and i love how
0: you keep going back to that the rooted growing fruitful is the the kt kensington temple pathway yeah last time i was here i got to preach on the the yeah. growing yeah. part of that growing and i love yeah. that and so so rooted growing fruitful is what we're looking for you're trying to lead the church in that pathway yeah but then you've just emphasized that individuals need to take on the personal responsibility to that as well so if i'm a listener you know i'm listening to ed Central live i want to grow in the word and walking in obedience and the fruit of the spirit what would that look like what 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 habits or characteristics would i want to take on to grow that way it absolutely would look like this that
1: whatever you read that you try and teach it to someone or and that you apply it to someone that day I like that. One of the, one of the things that we do here is if you read in your like living word, living wind, whatever you read that day, you try and share it with somebody that day, Mm -hmm. but not just verbally share it. You might act it out. Right? So if we're talking about being kind that you wouldn't teach somebody a lesson on kindness, you would go and be kind. Makes sense. So if you want to root the word into your life, Act it out as soon as possible. In my own devotions, what I do is I make notes on the Bible most days. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read it some days and I can't think of anything to make notes on. Right. There's my pastoral confession. <laughs> Get it out, just to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but most days I make notes. But what, what I do is I keep that on my phone and I say, right, how am I going to apply that to that day? And it's that sounds a little bit, um, oh, that's what pastors supposed to do. But actually, that is a real key to going deeper
0: in the oh, world. Gosh, I, I would think that would be revolutionary for most people. You know, it's yeah. literally, you know, James says, you know, be be doers, not Absolutely. just hearers. So, but to actually say, here's what I'm going to do yeah. could be quite transformative. You know, I, I get concerned because I think, you know, some people really love the Bible. I love the Bible. I want them to love the Bible but you can really become an expert on things. You can know who the Amalekites are and the Jebusites and the Israelites and the mosquito bites. And if you don't know, um, what that looks like lived out in your life, you can actually become dry and barren. So that's one of the reasons I really, and thank you for sending to me living word, living wind, because I think it kind of speaks at that lived out in our lives. Again, not just doers, not just hearers, excuse me, but doers also makes all the difference. Um, the problem is for a lot of people listening, they're like, well, how do, I, how do I get the motivation to do that? Because that it almost is easier to read and maybe even take notes rather than to do. Well, actually,
1: that's the key. Because once you do and you have the excitement of it, can I say working or something happening? Or can I even say the feeling you get from from living out the word? That actually motivates you not just to read it. Actually, if if you read, well, let's just take kindness. I brought that up a while. while. If you read about we need to have the fruit of kindness and then you're kind to somebody and that whole experience then motivates you to go deeper into that truth. So the doing actually is the fuel to the motivation. The reading only and the building up of knowledge. I mean, let's face it, we all sing beyond our faith. We all sing beyond our knowledge. We all we all, uh, declare beyond what we actually have, have experienced. But actually, when we try and actually live it out, then it fuels our experience. And that makes all the difference. And I would encourage all the listeners to put something into practice today. And that sounds like a task, but actually it becomes... Uh, a fuel to
0: the task. I like that. A a task ultimately becomes a fuel to the task. And I think that's where, you know, from faith to faith, you know, we're sort of growing, taking those next next steps of faith, growing in our faith and more. So we're talking to Mark Ryan here at Kensington Temple. This is at Central Live. This is a pre-recorded program, so we're not taking your calls today. We're having an important conversation learning about a much more secular space than most of us live here in London, but also how we can grow in our spiritual lives as well. So stay with us. We can continue our conversation with Mark Ryan in just a second. Really, live right here from London. Okay, we're back, Ed Stetzer Live, continuing our conversation with Mark Ryan. We're actually recording this here right in London. In uh, in, Ken- in Notting Hill in, in, in the... it's in the- that a neighborhood? What do you call it? A community? Notting Hill is uh, a community of Kensington. Okay, of
1: Kensington. Kensington we- and Chelsea, actually. Okay. It's the royal borough of Kensington oh, and Chelsea. Nice and you might... I, I mean, where we're at right now, we have the most artworks in the world really? because we've got the Victorian an albert museum down the road the albert hall all that stuff in south kensington is really very cultural there is it's, and
0: there's a big flea market here yeah, the yeah, portobello yeah, market yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you didn't listen earlier that's a little uh, cultural faux pas that this phd trained missiologist made i couldn't think of the word but uh, the portobello market very famous around very the famous world as well here, yeah. and quite lovely last time i bought some uh, souvenirs for my for my daughter but you can find like everything here yeah. but you're i mean it's such a crossroads that you're at here as, yeah, very as well much so. and when we look to the history of christianity you know christianity thrived at those crossroads yeah i yeah. can't imagine how many thousands of people walk i mean it's hard to explain to people but you're like right there on the road where yeah. all the marketplaces yeah. are and our churches is like building wise it's taller yeah. than it is long isn't yeah, it you yeah. know when
1: people see us they think oh it's this great big cathedral but yeah. it's actually quite smaller inside isn't it you but know? it stands out it stands, it out. stands out yeah, yeah. And, and so
0: how do you in you know one of the you know best known cities one of the uh, world you know i want they call them alpha cities one of yeah. the alpha cities in the world how do you seek to advance the gospel you've talked a little bit about how we represent the rule and reign of Jesus wherever we go so are there how do you teach people how do you encourage people to live that out in their lives
1: well of course we have many uh what people would call discipleship groups and they we are scattered all over the city and so our goal is to put one of our discipleship groups in every zip code as you would say postcode all over the city and we also have 29 branch churches that we have planted out and so we have several locations going on all over the city so that's a a church strategy but what we would also do is we want to speak uh, as i said earlier in the interview against the or molding the bigger ideas of culture that Mm -hmm. whenever you know culture says hey you can self-identify in this way we would say well what does what what is healthy what's right so we would be quite strong in in speaking out what what we would want to say culturally as well
0: yeah so give me some examples of that you'd speak up on cultural issues of what kind well the hot topic right now
1: is uh Sexuality right. and gender, sure. and we're about to put this out. Can I, can I say
0: the same thing where we are? So yeah, it is, absolutely. And, and churches are trying to navigate this. Yeah, how to stamp for biblical truth but still be pastoral? Absolutely, not compromising but caring at the same time. So, how how do you seek to do that here? Because you're more secular here.
1: Yeah, well, we would make our language in line with what we can say by law. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, we would well, we would first of all say what the Bible says. Right, but we would say it in a way. That is lawful, compassionate, and kind, Hmm. and also we would be welcoming, but not affirming.
0: Yeah, so tell me about what you say by law. Because that you know, we might see on television that some you know street preacher in London is arrested for so and so. What what do you mean? But that's lawful. Because does that cause you have to compromise? Well, we have
1: a marriage act Uh that has a clause that says, however, you, you there's a conscience clause. To say that we can uh, abstain from uh, what the general uh, population might think is right because of our uh, religious convictions and beliefs Mm -hmm. and that's where the Muslims can do that but also we can do that but the thing is we have to know that law and then speak uh, kindly and around that so uh, I would encourage the listeners rather than just uh, saying oh we we speak just truth and leave it at that. But actually, the Bible tells us to be wise yeah. as well. Yeah. So we speak uh, not aggressively beyond what the law allows.
0: But... See, that's just a phrase we don't have. Because we, like, even even in U.S. law, uh, there's not a, a uh, Burgerfell is a Supreme Court law of the land. Yeah. There's not, like, a conscience clause. Uh, though Christians right. want to live by their conscience, yeah. so they'll speak up. So, you know, I mean, I I wrote in the pages of USA Today, defending traditional marriage. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of pushback and um, it doesn't stop me from doing that. So by lawful, you mean that the law even recognizes people having views that are different. Yeah, 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 we do. do It's not not that keeping you from speaking up, it's actually giving you space to speak up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Christians need to understand that. We can speak up at work, we can speak up, even though it's very secular.
0: But uh, ironically, in many places, and I'm guessing it's true here too, but you speak up at work on some of these issues, you can lose your job in the uh, US.
1: Yeah, you can, yeah. and also if you speak up in the wrong way, you can speak up uh, right, and I mean, lose your right, job. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Right. So, but we do have conscience clauses, right.
0: and so that is what we do. It makes we, sense. And I would say too, we'd all want to speak up in the right way. Yeah, you know, it's they're they're you know sometimes Christians can say things in pretty bad ways and feel like they're being persecuted, Absolutely. but no, they just haven't. They can articulate biblical truth and stand for biblical values. So, yeah. so that's part of what you're seeking to teach people to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking yeah. the truth in love, yeah. but speaking the truth with wisdom. Yeah, good. As okay. well. With and love so, and wisdom. I like that. Love and wisdom yeah. is always, you know, people often talk about grace and truth, but we need grace, truth, and wisdom. Yeah. You know, yeah. And but that doesn't, I don't want any listeners to feel uh, that that means that we are soft peddling. Compromising, watering that's When down. you said,
0: according to the law, I was like, what does that mean? You're holding back on some things, but that's not what no. you're meaning. You're speaking no. very clearly. The law
1: gives things. us a chance to say, no, this is our conscience and these are our beliefs. Now, the law will try and uh, press into those beliefs and begin to say to us, oh, you're not really supposed to believe that, mm-hmm. but we still have that conscience clause and space to do so. And what we're trying to do with the, uh, particularly with the evangelicals over here is to, the evangelical alliance over here is probably a little bit stronger in its influence uh, in our nation, I, I don't know. No,
0: then the NEU, I would say for sure. It's much more, it, the National Association of Evangelicals, I'm on the executive board of, yeah. but the Evangelical Alliance is much more of it's a voice. It's much more of a voice yeah. for the whole yeah.
1: Christian. And and they've taught us that we can speak up for Jesus as long as we speak up in the right way yeah. and reminding us of the conscience clauses that we have. So getting back to your question on equipping though, as well as speaking up, it's also this, uh, this blend of words, and spirit right. don't just be a spirit person that just floats around and uh, does things randomly but also make sure that you have this foundation and this apparatus or, or even a channel that the spirit can work through that that's kind of what we're trying to teach here
0: yeah nice I like it okay so so then if let's let's say that Christians here in London at, at, here at Kensington Temple are, are growing in their faith yeah they're engaging society Um, You know, most of them aren't pastors like you and me. Most people listening aren't pastors like you and me. So what would it look like at their workplace if they were living this out from the perspective of being witness, how they engage, the way they live, the kind of boss or employee they are? What would that look like? You know what, Ed? There's a theme
1: in the Bible that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's fruitfulness. What it looks like is, what is the result, the fruit can I say the productivity of the person's life so when you say what does it look like it looks like fruit of both attitude character but also the fruit of influence and also people who connect with that person what we're looking for is fruit now I have just said results, but I don't mean that, oh, how many people did you lead to Jesus on this particular day, or how many people do you get to come to church? But actually, some people have great fruit by their influence and their witness, and uh, and also the people they do bring to church, obviously. But when you ask
0: me, what does it look like? It looks like fruit. Mm, love that. Love that. Okay, so we've been talking to Mark Ryan. We're actually, what I enjoy it is to see, you know, not just to, be here and to preach. I love being a preacher. We, 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 become friends. Um, I want this to be your UK church, my UK church. I love, this I love it. This is my, <laughs> my <laughs> real desire
1: because I, you know, Ed, I just want to say, you know, about, you know, I know the listeners will know that we need strong biblical preaching mm-hmm. and we cannot move away from that. Even though we might have a strong worship movement here, we might have a strong prayer movement, uh, strong biblical preaching is still, what
0: we need uh, as well. Hey, Amen. So good to see you, Mark, and I appreciate our growing friendship. And thanks, to everyone, for listening as well. Uh, particularly a fun episode. Like I said, we're literally in London recording this here at Kensington Temple. Just and up the road from the flea market. Just up the road. You're going to – I am never don't – don't mention this tomorrow. At the wonderful Portobello Market. Yeah. As well. Let me thank my guest, Mark Ryan, for joining me today. Thank to you. Our behind pleasure. the scenes teams at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, my engineer, Courtney Young, as well. We have a great team. Here at today's program, again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. You can also stay connected with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ed Live. Really easy. Ed Live, Easy to find. And that'll, that'll actually tell you what's coming up uh, on each program. And remember that Ed Live is a production of Moody Radio. Moody Radio as a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. So thanks for taking time to listen. We're we're going to continue our conversation this and every week. We don't want you to miss out. So again, I want to encourage you to go to edsetzerlive.com and subscribe as a podcast. Once you go there, you can subscribe to all the Moody Radio programs via the Moody Radio app as well. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to being with you next week.